Hey, good morning, everybody. Nice to see you. Wasn't sure if we had people would be in town or out of town, but enough people are in town, Baruch Hashem, so we can have a nice year. And the shear is sponsored by Tanya Shechman in memory of her beloved mother, Esther Bat Mazal. And we're going to be on page 82 this morning, which is the, the last parak of this section of the Derech Hashem, the Helik Beis on Hashgacha. And last week we talked about the stars and the planets and their influence in Hashgacha. Now we're on to a different topic. So again, page 82. If anybody needs a photocopy, I think there's still a couple on the back table there near Mrs. Birnbaum. The title of the chapter is Bahavchanos Paratios Bahashgacha. Specific uh, discernments in Hashgacha of the world. Letter Aleph. Mimasha Yibachin Od Bahashgacha So Yisborachshima. We can also further understand or discern regarding Hashem's Hashgacha of the world. Hu Hayos. That the entire order and pattern of Hashgacha and its ways, Yosher Hamishpat Vikav Hadin, they are conducted through upright justice and the line of law. So Mishpat is in everything justice, what's right and what's wrong. As it says in Tehillim, Shevet Mishor Shevet Machusecha. The staff of Mishor, uprightness, Yashrus, is the staff of your kingdom, referring to Hashem. The Kasuv, and it also says in Mishle, Melech b'mishpat ya'amid oretz. The king establishes the earth with mishpat, with justice. V'omnem, however, yadanu be'emes, we know in truth, she'ein chefso shel ha'kodesh baruchu elo lehetiv that Hashem's chafetz, his will, is to give good. Right? Ramchal says this as the yesod in the Bria, in creation, that God wants to give good, and the creation of the world is all about that. V'hinehu oheves beruav, and Hashem loves his creations. Ka'ov ha'oheves beno, like a father loves his children. Ella, shemitam ho'avo atma, but it is from the reason of Ahava in and of itself, that sometimes a father, a parent, has to discipline their child. For their own benefit in the long run. That the discipline is a good thing. As it says, Just as a parent chastises their child, so too Hashem disciplines you, the, the Jewish people. So what the Ramchal is saying here is that on the one hand we have mishpat, and there's justice, and there's char, and there's onish, and what's right and what's wrong, and that has to be accounted for. But yet the basis of the Bria <coughs> is ahava, is love, and hatava, being uh, giving good, wanting people to have good. So... That means to say that the mishpat itself, which sometimes involves tochacha, discipline, 
that that is based on love, which is his next sentence. V'nimsa shahamishpad vahadin atzmo, that justice and judgment in and of itself, mimakor ho'ahava hunoveya, it flows from a source of love. V'ein musaro shel ha-kodesh baruchu makas oyevu misnakein, Hashem's discipline for his treasured nation is not the striking blow of an enemy or one who's trying to take vengeance. But rather the musr of a father, a parent, who wants the well-being of their child, as we mentioned. This is a crucial idea, you know, in Mahshava, that we don't believe in punishment for its own sake. Like Hashem's angry, so he lashes out at us, like sometimes a person does. It's never like that. It's always in the context of it's coming from a place of ahava, and whenever Hashem chooses or wills to bring Musr discipline into the world, even suffering, then that's always flowing from a place of ahava. It's a very beautiful the way the Ramchal says it. It's mimakor ha'ahava hu noveya. Noveya means to flow. You don't usually think about discipline as flowing. You know. It's more like striking. But it comes from a source of ahava. It flows from ahava, and that's what it's about. Va'ulam, mishoresh zeh. From this foundation, noladim shnei inyanim, there are two things that come forth. Ho'echad, one is, when Hashem does decide to deliver Musr discipline, mumutak, that means to say it is mitigated, literally sweetened, but it's softened, and it's not cruel and harsh. So because it's coming from a place of Ava, it is automatically mitigated. Because love, in and of itself, it mixes rachamim into din. It mixes compassion into judgment. So that's one. Vahasheni, and the second thing is shalifamim. At certain times, when it's necessary, that Hashem may choose to completely bypass the whole Dean process. So because Dean comes from Ahava, if it turns out that in the strict look at things, Dean is necessary, but in the big picture look of Ahava things, it's not necessary or even not good, Hashem's Ratzon will be, he'll set that Dean aside. Because deen is not for deen in and of itself. It's for the sake of ava. The yinhag barachamim, and he'll conduct himself with rachamim. Mukinin shenemar, as it says in Shemos, v'chanosi yasasher achon v'richamti yasasher arachen. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe had just asked Hashem, Horeni Hashem, show me your ways, show me how you conduct yourself. And Hashem says to Moshe that nobody can know this, and I will have compassion and I choose to have compassion to, and I will be gracious with whom I choose to be gracious with. So I might do things that don't appear to be within the strict line of mishpat and deen because 
they have to be overridden, and that's up to me. So the Ramchal says two things. One is that because Mishpat comes from Ahava, that the Deen itself is mitigated, Mimutak. And secondly, that there, t- there are, are times when Hashem will completely override the Deen for some larger purpose of Ahava. Now, I think that in this short section of the Ramchal, there's a great lesson in parenting, tremendous lesson in parenting. Because, you know, the discussion, which is, you know, a generation-to-generation discussion, how to properly discipline your children, what's the right way to do that. If you're too harsh, then it, it's strict, and it could even be cruel, chas v'shalom. If you're too rigid, it turns them off. And if we're too permissive, then anything goes. And every parent struggles with what's the right balance between these two things. How do you do that? And you have to change sometimes from child to child, and from you know five years ago to now, things, things have changed. This is a constant process of reevaluation. But one thing we have to know is that we're meant to emulate HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our ways, as He is in His ways we try to be. So if Hashem's mishpat comes from Ava, that means ours also has to come from Ava. For God's discipline to His people is noveya me'ava, that a parent's discipline of their child has to be coming from love. And it's a very good way for a parent to check themselves because any parent gets angry, especially if they're experiencing disrespect or chutzpah or lack of, of um, cooperation from their children. So a parent can get angry. And if, if the musr comes out of anger, then we're not doing the right thing. But we need to calm ourselves down and get ourselves in a better place and then think about how do I handle this situation properly. And then secondly... Sometimes there are situations where you don't discipline. A bigger picture, you override the deen, like Hashem sometimes overrides the, the deen. I think in our Lashon we say that you have to choose your battles. You don't always fight over certain points. But it's more than that. It's not just that, well, I can't address every single issue, so I'll, ju- I'll address a few, the more important ones. It's more than that. It's saying that there are times, because of our love for our children, the better thing to do right now is to give him a hug, as opposed to disciplining him. That's the better thing under this situation. And an act of ahava will override an act of musr when the situation calls for it. So very important parenting lessons, because we're trying to emulate the Ribbon Shalom. Okay, a little further, top of page 83. Vihine. Yes, Mrs. Klein, yeah. What happens to person person that is bad? So, how could you say that it's Hava? The person doing bad or Hashem responding to it? No, we're talking about Hashem's relationship to people. But Hashem is relating to us through Ava. If he does, if a person does bad, then Hashem will, will have to decide: Is this something which needs immediate musr? Is this something that we let hang in the balance for a while, let the person do tshuva, 
Is this a situation where the best reaction really is not musr at all? It's ahava. So a parent has to do that also. That's my point. It's always based on Ahava. Yeah, and that's the Yisod. That Deen flows from Ahava. That's the Ramchal statement there. Noveya mi Ahava. Deen is not a Mira in and of itself independently. It has to be in the service of Ahava. Because the world is meant to be Metiv. For God to give good to people, that's the Yisod of the world. So Mishpat has to be tied to that. Yes, please, Alka. So it just seems that um, after you have just stated this, mm-hmm. that when Hashem answers Moshe, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, mm-hmm. and I will show compassion upon whom I will show compassion, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to uh, support what you just said. That seems to be saying there can be, it's exclusive. So Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to Hashem, show me your ways, you know, how you conduct yourself in the world. So Hashem is saying to him that there will be situations when it will appear to you like mishpat is the right thing. Based on what these people are doing, it would appear to you that muster is the right thing. But I want you to know, the that I can override that and I will whenever I see necessary. Not exclusively that there are certain people in a club that get this attention. People who are not in the club don't get that attention. Hashem is saying, it's, it's my world. And wherever I choose to override the system of mishpat, I'm going to do that for the sake of Ava. That's really the context of it. So it's not based on who's special and who's not special. It's based on what Hashem sees is the right thing for that situation. Yes, Rabbi Sam. So I heard now that fits with what we just learned, but I had heard that the question Moshe Rabbeinu was asking was why do the righteous people suffer? Right. And in that context, it does sound more like what Elka's saying. Like, well, you may think that this is suffering, but I will choose to show compassion the way I will choose mm-hmm. to show compassion. Mm-hmm. Which could be the same kind of thing. It could be just saying you don't understand that this is a compassionate response because you're limited in your vision. I don't, I don't know. So it could still be that Hashem saying the same thing. This is love. You just don't recognize it. Yeah. In this context, the Ramchal is not looking at it in that way. We, we did see that elsewhere, that when Hashem said to, I'm sorry, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, um, Horeni, uh, no, please, Hashem, show me Durachacha, your ways, that he was asking him about Sadiq Viralo and Rasha Vitovlo. That that was the meaning of his question. And Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you can't understand that. So that's a specific way to understand this, that dialogue. But the Ramchal here is bringing out something a little different about it, that it's referring to overriding Mishpat. I have just yeah. another question. These notes on the margin, mm-hmm. are those... Are those paraphrased notes of the Ramchal or somebody else? No, the, the, the little uh, summaries in the margin are not his. They're, not, okay. They're for whoever put, the, put it together. And then my other question says that Hashem loves all of his creations. Right. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> I 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I mean, that's what I think of in terms of Ninde, but in terms of what's happening in Eretz Yisrael right now, that's very kind of hard to... That's how, how you deal with people who are Rishayim. That's a, a, a question of Hashgacha and Scharva Onish, but Hashem loves all of his creation. That's, that's the Yisod. So he loves those people that are doing heinous acts against his people, his church. You're asking me too hard of a question. <laughs> I don't know. What's that? Right. But you know, do you say that about uh, you know Hitler Himashima? Hard for me. To, hard for me to see that. So I don't know. Vehine vehiyosharetsa hakadosh baruch hu bebethira saadam b'maasa. The being that Hashem wants people to have freedom of choice. Ubiyosher mishpat hagemul, and through upright uh, mishpat justice and gemul. Gemul means retribution, but not just punishment. It means reward and punishment. Payment. L'shalem li'ish kema'asehu, to pay, to give each person according to what they did. Hine kiviyachal, so kiviyachal means, so to speak, mishabeidhu es hanhagaso l'maaseh adam. That Hashem subjugates his hanhaga the way that he conducts himself in the world to what people do. So because Hashem wants a world of Bechira, and he wants Mishpat, and he wants people to choose, so Kiviyochel, he ties himself down to what we do, and he responds to that, and he lets himself be tied down, Mishubad, to our Bechira. That he won't give good, nor will he harm somebody, except and only according to what people do. That's the system of Bechira that God made that he wants for people to earn their shlemus. But in truth, God is not tied down to anything. And he's not mishubad, he is not bound to any rule. He doesn't need any other being. He doesn't need us to do something so he can do something. He's not truly bound by it. God is not influenced by anything. And that means to say he is willing to be influenced to us. He chooses to be influenced by us and our behavior. But he's not. And he can at any moment step away from the system. So when Hashem chooses to use his romamus, that's his elevated hashgacha, not the hashgacha that's tied to Bechira, he will then do that and, and conduct himself according to his ratzon. Nothing is compelling him to do anything. Nothing is holding him back from doing anything. So there are two titles for this. I'll get to you in one second. There are two names for these different kinds of hashgacha. And they are truly different types of hashgacha. Ve'ulam. 
Lahanhogas Hamishpat Yinhagafi Hashibuchazaharnu. When it comes to that Hanhaga, that guidance of the world which is called Mishpat, then God chooses to conduct himself according to the Shibud, to his being bound to the patterns that he made. Ah Kishatigzor Chachmasa. But when Hashem decrees in his wisdom, Hayos Nous that it's right and fitting, Ho'avora Ashuras Hadin, to override the strict law of Din. He will then use his Romamus, his above the system conduct of the world. Yichud Shlituso, his unique Shlita, his unique authority over reality. The Ya'avur al Peshan, he'll, so to speak, skip over a transgression, a hate. The Yasakain Kol Kilkul Ba'otsem Kocho, and he himself will step in and repair the kilkulim that we've made. So we did all these things, we made all these breaches in the world, and oh no, there should be something happening, and Hashem may decide, don't worry, I'm taking care of this. He fixes up all of our mistakes, and then he goes on. If he chooses to do that, that's in his hand. That's Roma Muso. Nimsu Khan Shinemine Hashkacha, so we have two different patterns of hashgacha. Hashgacha has mishpat, hashem isparach. One is the hashgacha of mishpat, scharva onesh, reward and punishment. And the second one is the hashgacha hashlita v'hayichud, the hashgacha of Hashem's absolute authority and unique authority over reality where he's not bound to bechira and mishpat. Ubishnei hadurachim, Mashkiach Kavodo Yisparach Shemo Tamid Al Bruav. To me, that's a very fascinating sentence. And with these two pathways of Hashgacha, Hashem is always being Mashkiach over his creations. That sounds to me that they're both in play at all times. Not that it's Mishpat, 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 and then, oh, the world needs it, so God steps in with Romamusa which is usually how this is understood. But he says, Tamid, that there's always something going on of Mishpat-related, and there's always something going on Romamus-related. God's, so to speak, in the driver's seat. He's making sure that the world is being steered in the right direction, no matter what. Mishpat. <laughs> He's involving himself with the hashkacha of mishpat, lishpotamid es kol to judge and evaluate at all times every single thing that we do, umashkiach behashkachas hashlita, and he's looking out with the higher hashkacha of shlita, lekayim bekocho v'yecholto es habria, to sustain with his force and his ability creation, v'lotecharav. So the world will not be destroyed by the wicked deeds of man. Mashma that if Hashem was not at every moment, you know, paying attention to this, that that's where it would go. And read a newspaper any day nowadays and we can see how, you know, that's possible. There were a couple of questions, please. I'm sorry, I forgot your first name. There were, thank you.
in a simplistic way that explains the Holocaust or the things that are happening in Israel today. It's, it's saying that this doesn't appear to us to be the Hashkacha of Mishpat. This must be Hashkacha that's higher, and we just don't understand it. But this is what Hashem feels is necessary at this time. Okay, now that, what you're saying, it's a little similar also to what the Rebetzin was saying. It's on the other side of this, but it's true. But what we're saying right now is that sometimes Hashem will override Dean and Musr and He'll act with Ahava. Even though, why? We don't know why. Also true on the other side, that there'll be so much Dean and so much suffering that we're saying, how could this possibly be? Which is how people have, we have, we have such a hard time relating to the Holocaust and you know, we can't, we can't explain it, it's beyond our, our Hasaga, we can't, it's beyond our comprehension. So on, on a simil, in a similar vein, it's true in that direction as well, that there's more going on than meets the eye, not only in the Ahava way, but sometimes in the Yisurin way as well, but it's all based on Ahava. Please. It's all Ahava. It's just that one, one time it looks more like Ahava to us. That's right. The other time. That's right. The, the Yusurin are always based on Ahava as well, but not, it's not in a revealed way. Please, Rabbi said, yeah. There's a good thing to say that, it, like you just said, it seems to me that if it weren't for Hashem's watchful eye, the world would be <coughs> destroyed, self-destruct. But in, in the times of the Mabul, it seems like Hashem destroyed it. Why didn't it just self-destruct? But it, it seems that's what just occurred. To me. Well, that, that that is the self-destruct. In other words, that if people, the whole world, is immoral and violent, mm -hmm. then the response to that from Hashem is that if it's al pidin, that they need to be destroyed. They they may not they may not kill every person to the last person, you know, standing. They may not do that. But in terms of what they did, Hashem would bring that onto them because they deserve that, like, like it happened in the Mabel. So I guess the way it sounds to me from this is not... See, that's still a reaction. That's still Hashem's yeah. Hashgacha. Right. It sounds like this is saying it's, it's Hashem's Hashgacha that keeps everything afloat and it will drift away because He removes His Hashgacha. Whereas the Mabel was in the same, it was, it was in the realm of Hashkafa. It was in the realm of his response to what we're doing as opposed to this is in response to what you're doing, but I'm not, I guess I can't, it just sounds like it's always, Hashem is always going to oversee to make sure it goes right so that we don't self-destruct. That seems to be But self-destruct means I'll pee mishpat. There's, there's always mishpat. The, the basis of the world is mishpat. So if people are killing each other, al pi mishpat, Hashem would step in and destroy those murderers. Not that they all kill each other and self-destruct. There is some of that going on too. But the normal workings of the world of mishpat includes God. That God comes in and punishes people. And if, if the behavior of the world is so bad, like it was at the Mabul, then he, he would destroy the whole world, because they deserve that, al pi mishpat. But he's not going to let that happen. His Hanhagas Yichur will save the world 
from Hanhagas Tamishpat. Well, I guess the Maitha, he did do that yes. because Noah survived right. and the world isn't really yeah. completely destroyed. Right, it did happen there too in that way. But a, a way to say, which may answer your question, is that he's not saving us from ourselves alone. He's saving us from ourselves alpi mishpat. There's never chaos in the world, even though it appears that way. There's never, the world has never run alpi chaos. People do as they want. There's always mishpat in the world. We just don't see it. Yeah, please, Alain. That's right. That's right. And he says a similar thing in an earlier parak that God is always guiding the world toward its goal, toward its shlemus. So that means the things that he is bringing into the world that are not a response to our Bethira, but just things that he knows the world needs in order to reach the era of Mashiach. And that's also always in play. Yes, please. Right. From from Edom came Amalek. Right. And Amalek is going to be destroyed for for us to get our Mashiach. Right. There has to be some good in there for it to have eternal life. So for Klal Yisrael, that's there by definition. Yisrael Kedoshimim. For the nations of the world, it's there if they choose it. And if they choose good, and they choose to be Hasidi Umasa righteous Gentiles, then there is eternal life. And if they, they don't, then there's not. But they have to earn that through their righteous behavior. It's not a given. For Klai Yisrael, it's both. You have to earn it, but it's also a given. So therefore you have a nation, Amalek, who is meant to be fully destroyed. That means to say there's no redeeming values of, of Tov in there at all. It's complete Ra. And therefore it has to be destroyed with no Geula, no Yeshua coming out of that for them at all. Yeah. Yeah, please, Elka. Right. Right. That's true. So even in the realm of Mishpat, right, you have the Mida of patience yeah. of Savlanis. Right. Very good. 
Sorry, with your hand up? Okay. <laughs> But so both are true. And we have to understand that statement, Hashem creates Rabore Ra. What that really means is he creates a potential for Ra. God doesn't do evil. So sometimes in English that, that translation doesn't come out well, Bore Ra, which is the Pasuk in Navi. In Tfila it's called, it's changed to Bore Asako. But it's, that's what it's based upon. So God creates a potential for Ra in the world. He created a Nachash in Gan Eden. But in order for Ra to be acted out, that comes from people, right? People act it out or they choose not to. So that Ra is in the world and the potential to do Ra is in the world. It has to be or we would not have any Bethira. It would be a completely good world and that's not the world God wanted for man to choose in. And in terms of the ripple effect, that's Klal Yisrael and what we do does influence reality. It influences other people both in a physical and a spiritual way. And it helps to overcome that potential for Ra, which is by nature and by creation in the world. We, we have the ability to bring light into the world, which is what we're striving to do. Please. And darkness, yes, we can do that. So that has to be repaired. Uh, if we bring darkness into the world through our Bethira, that has to be taken care of. Because it is, there is mishpat in the world. So that's either through tshuva, that's the best way, or it's through onesh. It's one or the other. And in that way, that ra will be repaired and ultimately will, will be gone. When Mashiach comes, there will not be any more ra left in the world. It's gone. It's already repaired. That's an interesting story. And you know, I know it's not true across the board, but just the idea of that ripple effects of Jewish people. But I was reading a story about a ger, a very moving, inspiring story about a convert. And he said, you know, later on, after he became Jewish, he said to somebody, uh, one of his fellow Jews, he says, you should know, because I know this from when I was not Jewish, we're watching you. So I, he says, I was watching the Jewish people. No, in that part of my life before he was Jewish. I was paying attention to the Jews. I knew there was something about Jews. I don't know what, you know, I knew there was something about the Jews. So, you know, I was watching you and we are being observed. So, again, whether that applies across the board to every single Gentile, I doubt it. That's a lot of people in the world. But I certainly know you know, in, in my life and in many Jewish people's lives, that you know that when you're an obvious Jew, the people are watching you. Mm -hmm. You know that. And there's a certain scrutiny sometimes, or if it's not a scrutiny, it's just an observation as what's that Jewish person going to do and how they're going to relate. I may have shared the story with you one time. So I was sitting on an airplane once and I was there was a layover 
and we got off the plane and we went into the waiting area. And there was a guy, just not too far away from me, Middle Eastern looking guy, and he was looking me at me pretty harshly, like I was uncomfortable. And he came over to me and he said, I want you to know that I grew up to hate you. Mamish out of the blue, a complete stranger. So I'm looking, where's the security guard, you know, that's <laughs> I've got to figure out where I am, where he is. So he said, I grew up in Iran. I'm not Jewish. And I was taught from a child to hate the Jewish people. And when I saw you, I hated you. So I'm thinking, like, why is he telling me this, you know? <laughs> in an airport in Chicago or wherever it was. So I didn't say anything. I just you know, looked at him and he said but I'm not so sure about what I was taught. And I said, why? He said, because I can see you're a nice person. Oh. Yeah, somebody was watching me. So the idea of r ripple effects, you know, on a spiritual level certainly applies, but it, it even applies on our day-to-day -day life, day -day life as Jews as well. You never know. Yeah. Elka, please. Yes. So, I just unfortunately don't, I'm not going here right now, but I'm just curious about Mashiach, Ben David, and Mashiach. Like you said, when you make a statement like that, which of. Mashiach, Ben David. Yeah. That's the ultimate Gaula. So, Mashiach, Ben Yosef, has come before then. Yeah, he's a leader. It's a leader amongst the people. Not, not even necessarily identified. The pre-Sadik says he was already here. So, you know, you might not, we might not even know who he is. It, it's a leader somewhere in Kla Yisrael who comes forward and kind of brings the world a little closer toward Mashiach. The Lav Davka identified, you know, as Mashiach Ben Yosef. We'll see it in retrospect, you know, who that person was. Yes. He says also the Mohammed's Goga Mogog already happened. And that was a hundred years ago. So some people have said that about the Holocaust or World War I even. You know, some great people have said that. The history continues to unfold. That's the difficult part. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're up to letter base. Where are we holding there on time? Where are we, where are we at? Oh, okay, we've got three minutes. <laughs> Which may turn into more. Umima, letter Bayes, Shetsori Shetayda'od. What we have to know further is Kihine. Gam Hashpa Oso Techolek Lishnemini. Hashem's Hashkocha and his Hashpa'a, rather, what he sends to the world is also of two categories. Ho'echad Hulamasha Laguf. One pertains to the body. Vahasheni lama shalanefesh, and the other pertains to the soul. We would call that uh, physical shefa and spiritual shefa. Shefa meaning a flow from above. Lama shalaguf kava be'arnu inyana. Concerning the body and physicality, we have already explained. Dahainu lama shalahatzlochas ha'adam. That refers to. Hatzlocha, success, 
in the physical world. Vishalvaso, tranquility. Ba'olam hazeh. Nice things. You have bracha, you have parnasa. have a nice life. Lamashala neshama. But when it comes to the soul, that manifests in intelligence, knowledge, insight, wisdom. So those are considered more spiritual hashpa'os. And in mankind becoming closer to Hashem in relationship. And our spiritual stature. So those two kinds of hashpa'os are flowing into the world, material benefit and spiritual benefit. For the world to truly exist in a state of good. That's when people will be close, intimately close with wisdom. Vaoskim ba'avodasparam and involved with serving Hashem. Vihiyaha emes galui ubarur and truth will be revealed and clear. Vihiyaha resha nirdaf venichna and wickedness will be chased away and humbled. That word there is resha as opposed to rasha. Rasha means a wicked person, resha means wickedness. So wickedness will be humbled and chased away. The hatarmis mushlach, deception will be cast aside. Velotimatse avoda ba'olam bilti elavis barashimah. And the only service, the only avoda in the world will be toward God. So just look at those things he's saying. That's a Mashiach state he's describing. That people are involved with getting close to God. Wisdom fills the world. Truth is clear, wickedness has been chased away, deception is gone, everybody's serving Hashem. And Midos Tovos are found aplenty and they overpower the world. And bad Midos will be distanced and despised. So corresponding to this, Tirbe Hashalva it's a tranquil world, it's a peaceful world. There aren't any, there's no suffering, there's no damage, there's no pain. And Hashem brings his kavod to reside in the world in a clear way. And he's happy with his creations. And his creations are in a state of joy, and alezim is closer to ecstasy, and then then joy. It's a higher level, really. Lefana before Hashem. So that's all a hashpa'a of complete tov. Right? That's a beautiful description. Now you have the other side. The opposite of that is that people are pursuing taiva, lust, desire. Instead of wisdom and understanding, it's self-gratification, that that's their pursuit. They despise wisdom. They're distant from wisdom. 
And they don't face themselves toward avoda except for the smallest amount or nothing. And truth has been cast down to the ground. And wickedness overpowers, and wickedness is successful. Deception and lies are great and in abundance. That's the United Nations. <laughs> With all kinds of foreign service in the world. And, and good midos are absent. And bad midos are very much present and common. So corresponding to all of these things and uh, states, what happens? Tranquility is lacking. There's no sense of peace. Suffering and pain is, uh, is in abundance. Hashem hides his presence from the world. And the world moves as if it has been abandoned to chance. And it's just a world of nature, be that as it may, arbitrary, whimsical, nothing has meaning or purpose. And God is not happy with his creation. Nor are people happy with God. And people don't recognize and they don't know what it even means to be happy before one's creator. That's a profound statement, I feel. But don't even realize what it means to be in a state of simcha before Hashem. Unfortunately, there are a lot of Jews like, who don't know what Yom Tov is, don't know what Shabbos is, don't know what Simcha's Torah is, don't know what Purim is. To be besimcha lifnei borenu. And of course it applies to all of us in our own way. During this time, wicked things are mighty and good things are lowered. Venimsa shehine yushpa mimenu yisporach shemo so therefore we find that for that which has been emanated forth by God, to all of these various ways that have physical, material manifestations, both good and bad, in their various situations, and for all the various circumstances, that pertain to the soul. So he categorizes, you know, good spiritual things, good physical things, bad spiritual things, bad physical things, and that sum total of all of those things, all the various hashpa'os that come onto the world at different times, is usually a mixture of both of these things, sometimes weighted more toward one side, sometimes more toward the other side. But it's all of the above that's flowing down into our world. Yeah, please, Rabbi. I feel like explain liberalism. Explain liberalism, oh, okay. Yes. Because the first thing he says, because I think people are very frustrated, why is there like just so much rationality is not here, people don't see what's so obvious, so that's a distance from a chachma that you can't 
see what's right. But the thing that comes before it is Shetufim Achrei Hatarga. And that's what liberalism in the 60s, that's what it was all about. And that's, so once you've chosen that, you know, license, you know, just like going after whatever you want, by definition, you're going to be separated from Chachma and you cannot see straight anymore, which is, I think, what we see in our culture. Yeah, the, the, the driving force is often just really uh, self-gratification and fulfilling one's tithes. And then a- after that, as you said, mm-hmm. all the other things fall by the wayside because they prevent a person from getting those uh, temptations filled. But I think it's hard for us to see, you know, what's the... What drove it. Because mm-hmm. it's so irrational, right. the things that we see in response to violence mm-hmm. today and the justification of it, that how could, how could there be... How so can you not see it, right? Right. right. But it just seems like, I don't know if you could understand it, how that logically flows, that once you are in pursuit of gratifying your desires, you will no longer have just basic knowledge anymore. I mean, in some way, it does make sense because there's a a forfeiting of knowledge when one indulges their desires often. Right. Um, Thank you. Yes, Mira, please. These steps, like all of these, Uh are they in like steps? Is this like a sequential order? I don't know. I don't know if he's talking, yeah, right, right, in terms of the very first thing. Is this an order of sequence? I mean, I would tend to think yes, because the Ramchal in general writes like that, but I, I'm, not, I'm not certain, so I, I hesitate to, to say. Please, Milana. So, the Ramchal is saying any um, abundance of wisdom, insight, Closeness to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, all of all of those in those categories are spirit are manifestations of the spiritual hashpa'ah into the world. It's not something we're doing, working on. Hashem's giving us a gift, almost. It could be either. Mm-hmm. It could be that Hashem is just giving that to us based on ahavasa. It might also be that we're getting that as a result of mitzvos or Tovim. That, that certainly makes an influence up above, and that causes a response. So if we're acting in a way which is tov, then we're going to get a response, spiritually speaking, to those things as well. I guess it's a Brusa, a good friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, true, right. Okay, Yashikov, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Good to see you.